Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I have a very special guest. This is somebody that I have been waiting for for a long time to share with you. His name is Aurel Moody, and he is a best-selling author and professional speaker who's spoken in 48 states and five countries to over 750,000 people while generating millions of dollars from his speaking business. He's also the TV host of Family Reboot on Disney Plus that's produced by Kelly Ripa. Aurel is now the co-founder of Talkadot.com, a software tool designed specifically for professional speakers to get them the data they need and make it easier for event planners to say that they're going to book them, collect the leads and all the things from the audience. So this is something that I actually use myself as a speaker and it's been phenomenal. And so if you're a speaker, definitely look into it and we'll have that in the show notes. But that's not why we're here today. What we're here today is because Aurel specializes in adult development theory, and I wanted to bridge his topic and our topic of burnout and really talk about the intersection of these two things. And so super, super, super excited to have you with us here today, Aurel. So welcome. Oh my gosh. I just have to acknowledge how fortunate I am to be on this podcast with you. And I don't say that just for platitude's sake. Um, we have been trying to schedule this and you have been working. So my goal is to give the most um, impactful and meaningful content that I'm hoping will give insights that people probably may not be aware of in this episode. So I cannot wait to dive into this with you, Sharon. For sure. So where we typically start is I always ask people when they come on, if they have a burnout story that they want to share. Mm-hmm. So, Errol, yeah. have you ever burned out? Yeah. So, I think any high achiever who has not burned out, they're doing it not, not I don't want to say they're doing it wrong, but they're not following a very normal trajectory. So, maybe that's why they're listening to your podcast to prevent or fix it. So, for me, my burnout story came very, very, I have different story, different phases of it. But one of them was in particular where I was trying to manage too much. I was trying to do about two or three businesses at the same time in my mid twenties. And I started having breathing issues. I was in my sleep. I was convinced I had a medical condition of some sort. And I went to the ear, nose, and throat doctor. And I was like, I'm having these challenges with sleeping. I felt like I'm not breathing. I feel like I'm waking up. I think I have like sleep apnea or something like this. And they ran all these tests on me. And uh, the doctor was like, you don't have sleep apnea, it's just stress. You've got to learn how to manage your stress. And I remember kind of feeling like, you know, trying to be all things to all people and, and hit all these goals led me to 
ultimately not achieving really anything that I wanted in, I was in my mid to late twenties at the time. And it felt like the medical condition, which was no condition, I guess it was, I guess, psychosomatic or or whatnot, but the, the cause of stress, which is a real hormone, of course, was my wake up call because I thought like, what if I stop breathing in my sleep? And it wasn't sleep apnea, it was stress. And then I started reading up all on how like, really how bad stress is. So for me, the burnout showed up in like a physical sense of almost feeling like I was, you know, exhausted, never rested and, you know, feeling like I was asphyxiated in my sleep. That, that's my burnout story. And then I had to say, all right, let's go, you know, look at what's really important. Let's carve things out. And now I've, you know, I think throughout my life, it's not that I haven't added more things on. I've learned how to understand how I show up when the stress shows up versus just, you know, going into the red zone, which is like so many of us high achievers, just push, 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 don't eat, don't sleep, push, push, push. It's unsustainable. So stop white knuckling it is what you're saying. White knuckling it. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, I, I do think in a weird way, like this is weird advice to give, but I think you kind of have to push yourself to the point sometimes when you burn out, not in like your forties or fifties. I think like, this is like a 20 year old game, right? Like you've got to see how far you can go so that you know how to dial it back appropriately. Mm-hmm. I think there's a beautiful balance of pushing myself past my perceived limitations, but also not hurting myself along the process. So, you know, if you're listening to this in your forties, and 50s, don't do that. If you're listening to this and you're in your 20s, go hard, but don't don't hurt yourself. But know, discover what your limits are so that you can play within your perceived or real limits. And that is actually advice that we don't hear very much from people, right? Like push yourself to the brink of burnout, practically, maybe not that far, but almost there so that you just know what you're capable of, but only if you're young, right? Like that's kind of the formula you've, you've shared. With yeah, no, I, would, I, would. I would like, if you're like, oh, but I'm listening to this and I'm 40 and I'm 50. I was like, yeah, like that's not the time to be like, that's a 20 year old's game. Like in knowing kind of where you are physically in the game, a 22 year old, and I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't want anyone to take this as medical advice, right? Like, but conceptually when we're 22, our ability to bounce back and recover is a little bit different. And obviously there's lots of challenges and things that show up for people. So I want to take into consideration and respect that everyone is biodiverse and different, but to push yourself and know what your limits are to then be able to go, here's where I'm willing to play and when I'm not willing to play, you know, it from data and from experience and not from just perception, which sometimes I think we limit ourselves on perception at times. So you said something earlier when you were telling about your burnout story, which is like you were trying to be all things to all people, which is not something new and something we've definitely heard before. In this framework of the podcast, we talk about three personality types, basically, that, let you know, when you're bringing your own stuff into the mix can lead you to burnout. And it sounds like perhaps you fit what we call the feeler, which is that people pleasing kind of personality where you're trying to take care of everybody. And then in the process of doing so, you end up burning out. And so that was one piece of the puzzle that I heard. And the other piece is that you might also be just like a flat out doer as well, because you're like trying to do three things at once and like pushing yourself so hard. So it's kind of like a mix of the feeler and the doer is what I heard. Yeah. And I think what we have to understand is like, I think you're right. Right. I think you're actually absolutely correct. And I think we have to understand like those, why we're feelers, why we're doers. What's the third one? The thinker. 
thinker, right? So I think an interesting question to pose is why? Like, so through a lot of deep work, one of the things that I've discovered is that the reason I was a feeler is because I had this fear of letting people down. And if I go back into this like early form of my childhood, I realized there was an exact moment where I created this belief that I am not allowed to let anyone down. So I think when we discover our kind of personality type of feeler, thinker or doer, there's a beautiful next level, which I'm sure you help people with to get to, well, why have you chosen that? Like, why have you responded in that way? And if you can get to the root of it, you can go, oh, the reason why I keep saying yes is because I don't want to let people down because when I was a kid, I didn't want to let my dad down. And this has nothing to do with my dad and me. This has to do with me in this situation. Now I have the ability to kind of let go of it. So for me, discovering that fear of letting people down and where it originated from allowed me to be a little bit more comfortable with saying no, which is where I, if you're a feeler, that's like the worst thing in the world to say no. But why do we hate to say no? Like, I think that's a very unique individual and why folks should, you know, work with a trained professional like yourself or bring in a speaker like you that can give unexpected insights into ourselves that can free us from decades long, you know, imprisonment that we've created for ourselves. Yeah. And you know a lot about this because, you know, you talk a lot about adult development. So you understand that there are these root causes. And that's exactly why I talk about this stuff, because I feel like otherwise we're talking about burnout in this very one size fits all format where it's like, oh, just, you know, take it easy and do some self-care and everything will be great or take a two week vacation and, you know, come back and relax. But really, I'm talking about the personality aspects that you're bringing to the table. And yes, we want to understand where they come from, because those are actions that are fed through our belief system. And those beliefs come from earlier life experiences. So your topic very much fits in here. And I'm like so excited to jump into that. But before we do, mm. I've got a quick quiz for let's you. Go. So <laughs> I, I expect to fail. So let's see where we go. <laughs> So, Aurel, where did we first meet? Where did we first meet? Ooh, it's not going to be an NSA event, is it? Nope. It's where? Now you got me going. Where did we first meet? So you're not going to remember this, but you've been in this circuit of speaking forever in a day. And you started out in schools, like in universities, talking about entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's right. So I'm going to take you way back, way back. So when I was an undergrad, mm -hmm. I attended a one-day event from my university on entrepreneurship. And guess who the speaker was? What, what university? Florida Atlantic University. FAU. Yeah. 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 I, I'm assuming you're going to say it was me. I'm assuming you're going to say it was me. That's was it? it. Yeah. Well, wow. So now we've just shown how old I actually am, right? Now we're like this guy. You showed how old I am, too. <laughs> Super old. Okay. Number two. That's amazing, by the way. I, I can't believe you've never brought that up to me. You waited for the podcast to I draw did. amazing gem. How could you not tell me? That's amazing, Sharon. That's amazing. So we go way back when you didn't even know it. 
Look at that. Yeah, no, I mean, that was incredible work that we did back in the day to, to get more people, you know, interested in going after their dreams. So in a very beautiful way, full circle moment, seeing you going after your dreams and achieving yep. your business goals now, I'm going to text my previous co-founders and partners <laughs> and tell them all about Sharon Grossman. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get into it because I know our listeners are dying to find out more yes, I can't about, wait to talk about it. This adult development theory. And so start us off by maybe just briefly explaining the key principles of adult development theory and how it relates to, if you can, the experience of burnout. Yeah. So what's great about this adult development theory is this idea that so many people are familiar with child development theory. And that basically states that if we go through these particular stages and we just wait long enough, we will pass through these predictable stages through our childhood. Now, for many, many years, people thought that ended around like 18 to 21. You were baked and you spent the rest of your life getting the most out of your zero to 21 lived experience. Now, the last 60 years of researchers have proven that's absolutely not true, that we actually do develop. Now, what's fascinating is under the um, auspices of adult development theory, there's lots of different questions that get answered. The specific question that I am most fascinated with is how do we make sense of the world through our sense of self? How do we make meaning in the world through our ego? Now, our ego is a totally misunderstood word. It's completely misunderstood. People use it as a binary term. You have an ego, you don't have an ego. Totally false. Our ego is simply how our sense of self, our sense of self actually develops through these very predictable and sequential stages. And if you can understand these stages, you can actually understand yourself and how you interact with others. Now, the ones that I spend most of my time talking about are what are called conventional stages. It's the self-centric stage, the group-centric stage, the skill-centric stage, and the achiever stage. Now, each one of these stages has different ways that we process the way people's actions affect us, how we see ourselves in them, and they directly tie to burnout. And I'm gonna pause here because I can keep going because I'm so excited about it. But each one of those senses of how we make sense of ourselves, our ego in those stages will dramatically affect how burnout can show up for us based upon how we make sense of the world in each one of those stages. Yeah. And this kind of brings us back to what we were talking about before, which is that we have these beliefs and that's why we end up being the thinker, the feeler, or the doer. And so for each one of these three types, I bet that, I mean, I talk about what the underlying belief is, but I would love you to shed some light on that. So I'll just tell you a little bit about each one. You already know about the feeler. Those are kind of like your people pleasers. They have a hard time with boundaries, saying no. They feel guilty when they do. And then when they don't, they feel resentful. And then they're like in that self-perpetuating cycle. The doers, as you know, are just like the people that are constantly on that hamster wheel and they can't step off because they like the achievement and the accomplishment. And then when they're not doing that, they feel like they're not doing enough. And mm -hmm. the thinkers are the folks that are overthinking everything they're like paralysis by analysis you know they're constantly in their heads so that means that they're like more prone to anxiety imposter syndrome perfectionism procrastination like all the things that have to do with just like being too much in your head so now that you know what the three types are help us wrap the adult development theory concepts around our three types Right. So each one of the stages that I mentioned have different strengths, characteristics, core motivators and fears. Okay. So the very first stage that we all enter in our adult life is called the self centric stage. Right. 
lots of researchers have different ways to refer to it. Some people call it self-protective opportunists. Some people use a number system like, you know, two, two, three, three, four, three. So I like to use simplistic terms, self-centric, meaning the world is about me. Now, my biggest fear in the self-centric stage is that my biggest fear is that someone will be taking advantage of me. That's my biggest fear. Now, the next sequential move is that group-centric stage. Now, my biggest fear in the group-centric stage is that I will be ostracized from my group, meaning I will not be allowed to be a part of the group that I've identified with, right? The skill-centric stage is I'm actually not that special. My skill actually isn't as good. Like my sense of self in the skill-centric stage is my skill. The group-centric stage, which I didn't mention, your sense of self is your group. So your group is you, you are your group. Skill-centric, your skill is you, you are your skill. And the achiever stage is I'm not going to fulfill. Not succeeding is the deepest portrayal of my potential. So with those four stages, think about what you just said, right? So you've got the feeler. Now, the feeler is very much, in my mind, connected to the group-centric stage. Yes, absolutely. Because I want my group to accept me. I don't want to be ostracized. If I say no, they may not like me. They may not invite me to the things. They may not. So I've got to say yes because I want them to always know that I'm a part of the group, right? You've got the thinker. Sounds very much like skill-centric to me, right? So the thinker is how do I use my skills, my knowledge, my experiences to do good? Now, what happens with a lot of skill-centric people is they can be very criticizing of other people. They can be very critical of other people. So as a thinker, you can think, well, why? Why would someone do it like that? All those thoughts can go through your mind. And if it's connected to a skill that you have, how much more that will show up? Now, you said the doer. That sounds very much like the achiever stage to yes. me. Those constantly mm-hmm. achieving goals. Now, if I don't achieve a goal, I am betraying my deepest sense of potential. Like, how could I be given all these skills, these people that I care about, and all of these things, and not achieve all these amazing things? I must keep moving. So what's fascinating about how adult development theory plays itself out is it's not age dependent. This is very important. Where child development theory is age dependent, if you just wait long enough, you go through these stages. There's something called horizontal growth and vertical growth. Horizontal growth is you can grow in one of these stages, say the skill-centric stage, your whole life and then die. You don't have to vertically grow into the achiever stage. So a lot of times what happens when people burn out is they're actually experiencing potentially a growth edge. I mean, they're moving from one stage to the next, where the group is no longer the self-identifier as much as the skill is, or maybe the skill isn't as much of a self-identifier as the goal achievement is. And sometimes burnout is actually kind of like that phoenix burning into the ashes and being reborn. And sometimes, so you're vertically growing, or sometimes it can be in horizontal growth where you're failing to meet your own um, standards and values within that stage. And it's and it's like miserable. So if you look at those top three stages, group-centric, skill-centric, and achiever, you can see how the, the feeler, the thinker, and the doer match up to those top three conventional stages. Yeah, that fits beautifully. And I understand that these are the fears that are driving the behaviors, but we also know if we're going to go even deeper, that the fears come out of a belief. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to go to the next level, let's Mm -hmm. talk about what each of them actually believes that creates that fear in them. Yeah. So when you're in the self-centric stage, your belief is 
how do I get from the world, right? My core motivator, my biggest driver is how do I get and how do I defend? So my belief is if I don't get, if I'm not advancing and getting things, or I'm not defending myself, like, hey, why are you late? Not my fault, there was traffic outside, it was their fault, it wasn't my fault. So my core belief is I either need to be getting or defending myself for not getting, right? My core belief in the group-centric stage is that I want a sense of belonging. My core belief in the group-centric stage is I need to belong, which is different than fitting in, and a lot of people confuse those two terms where fitting in and belonging, two separate things. Belonging is your group represents you, you represent them, and it works really well. Fitting in is pretending to be someone you're not so that people accept you. It's two different things, right? But my biggest core belief, my core motivator in the group-centric stage is a sense of belonging. So my sense of belonging is paramount to everything else. Right. In my skill centric stage, my core motivator is analyzing and perfecting. So I have to get better at every single thing that I do. I need to like the, the nuance of how to get better at my skill. It's not a nuance to me. It's a necessity. So my belief is I must be perfect. And then obviously we figure out there is no perfect, but we believe we can be the one that gets there. So we've got to craft and get better and get better and get better and get better. So our core belief is we constantly have to compare ourselves, analyze ourselves compared to other people, and we have to perfect our skill, right? So actually, excuse me, I said analyzing and perfecting, it's comparing and perfecting. Comparing, so I compare myself to others, high level at the skill-centric stage. So skill-centric people will ask you, what do you do for a living? And I'm actually processing in my head, are you higher status than me? Do you make more money than me? You know, how do we match up? Are we equals, are we not equals, right? So my core belief is compare, perfect. The achiever stage is analyzing and achieving, right? So in the achiever stage, my core belief, my core motivator is I've got to analyze data to achieve a goal and I have to achieve a goal. I have to have a house with five bed, five bathrooms and seven bedrooms. Why? Because I have to. I set a goal. I have to achieve the goal. It's what I have to do. So our belief is that achievement, a goal achievement, analyzing and achieving will bring us a sense of fulfillment and joy. Um, and then once we realize that's not true, we go into what's called post-conventional stages, which is a whole old, super fascinating can of worms, but very different. Like Western society stays typically conventional. And then if we can expand our, our sense of self, we go into post-conventional, which is really interesting. So thank you for enlightening us with these motivators from the framework of the self-development theory or the adult development theory. I want to actually just comment on this because I think these are motivations, but they're not the belief per se. Right. Mm. So, so hear me out on this. So I'm thinking about the self-centric framework and mm. When you said, you know, the question I ask myself is how do I get or how do I defend? Then for me, I'm thinking like, what's the limiting belief that creates the fear in me that I'm going to be taken advantage of? And it could be something along the lines of I am not safe. There's not enough to go around or nobody cares about me. Yeah. One of the big characteristic traits at this stage is it's me versus the world in the self-centric yeah. stage, right? So I can't give the world my true self. In the self-centric stage, I have two selves. I have my inner self, which is my real self. And I have my outer self, which is a self that I use to interact with the world. Now, my belief is it's me versus the world. So in a belief system of me versus the world, if you're winning and I'm not winning, even though it may have nothing to do with me, I feel like I'm losing. 
because there's winners and there's losers. Right. I hate losing at this stage. So there's a core belief that it's me versus the world, where when you get to the group centric stage, your core belief actually becomes it's us versus them. So this is very fascinating. When you look at any type of group, whether you look at politics, right, it's right versus left, us versus them. You hear they don't want you to do this. Here's good people like us believe this, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever you have a us versus them, anyone who comes against your belief system immediately becomes othered, villainized, and evil, which is, again, a, a core belief which ties into why I need a sense of belonging because I need an external group to have an internal group. With the skill-centric, a core belief, a core characteristic trait of that person is I have to perfect my skill set, right? So what do I have to do? Well, I've got to analyze, I got to criticize, because if you don't have it, you're not as smart as I am with it. I've got to get there. This is where it gets really fascinating. In the group centric stage, you need a group. In the skill centric stage, you still need the group, but you need to separate yourself from the group. Meaning, I need to separate myself with my skill. So my belief is I can't be just like everyone else in the group. Yeah, I'm a professional speaker, sure, but you know what? I'm a million dollar speaker, or I'm a CSP, or I'm a, you know, like I've got to, like, yes, I'm a part of you, but I'm also not like you at the same time. So that skill becomes how I separate myself from the pack. So my belief is if I'm just like everyone else, there's something wrong with me. I've got to separate myself. And I typically do that through the skill. And then the core belief of the person who achieves, or we're kind of moving into the beginning stages of post conventional thinking, our core belief is, you know what, no matter how hard I try, I can't do everything myself. I need other people. You know, 100% of my effort is not nearly as good as 80% of five of me. So let me replicate me. So it, it starts moving into some some more beautiful elements, I think, but also, you know, everything has a dark side and a light side. And there's a lot of dark side to that as well. That's super interesting. So, so we're saying like, if you're in the self-centric the idea is that you're looking out for your own best interests. And the idea there might be that you are, from what I heard, is maybe you have that victim mentality where mm -hmm. you're not taking responsibility. It's always like external blame. And there's that scarcity mindset of, you know, I have to fend for myself because there's not going to be enough. And then I'm going to be left out of whatever everybody else is getting. And so I have to like be the one who is like the hunter, you know, I have to go out and get it. So you mentioned with the group one, there's this need to belong and the fear is that you're going to get ostracized. And we said this is kind of like the feeler. And I like to think of the feeler as somebody who perhaps believes deep down inside that they're not lovable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why they have to overcompensate by doing as much. And you, we've all seen these people who give away the farm and you ask them, well, why are you doing that? And they're like, because I want people to like me. Right. And it's like, well, they're not going to like you for all the things that you're doing. Like, that's not really like a friendship. Right. So we know these things, right. We talk to kids even about that at school and things like that. But I think that's a core limiting belief that people have of like, whatever I have is not enough. So I have to like do more to take care of other people and then everything's going to be okay. And there's different versions of that. Like, I think a lot of times it's about control, right? So it's like, if we've seen like people who grew up in families where maybe something was wrong by either taking care of everybody as the feeler does, or 
by perfecting everything as the thinker does, then it's like, then everything's going to be okay. If, if I could just be the perfect child, then mom's going to get better. She stopped drinking and everyone's going to heal from their diseases. And like, we're going to be a happy family. Right. So this is kind of like the, I mean, I know we're talking about adult stuff, but like, I think it starts really early. I think that, you know, the stage theory gives kind of a framework for how to understand how we make sense of the world. But then we have so much unique individuality of how we then. So for someone who goes, I've got to take care of myself. They may see that as, you know, I have to make as much money as possible, where someone else may say, hey, I have to take care of myself. I don't want to even work. I want to just like be kind of like a vagabond and like, you know, it's all about my joy and happiness. And I'm just going to like cruise the streets of Monica, you know, so the individuality of how we choose to express the way we make sense of the world is so much in alignment with what you're talking about, because some people will take on, well, I'm not lovable because like, I never got my, you know, dad's approval when I was a kid. So now as an adult, I've got to, you know, work really, really hard to prove that I'm a tough guy because my dad never felt like I was tough enough. And you know, that's the, you know, uniqueness of what it means to be a human. And I love that you showed the two extremes because I feel like people burn out when they're doing too much, but also when they're doing too little because they're not challenged, they don't have a sense of purpose, they're bored. And that in and of itself can lead people to burnout. We often don't even think about that as burnout, but it happens. It's like a numbing, you know? So I think we tend to think of burnout as this like staccato sporadic energistic state. But if you're kind of numb where it's like, you know, I'm not doing anything. And now I don't even have the energy to do anything. It's kind of like you're ending. It kind of mimics depression, right? When you do less and you just like can't get yourself out of bed and you're like, what's the point? It's kind of same everything every day, you know, that sort of thing. One other thing that's been interesting as I've been working with my clients who tend to be like super high achievers is there's this theme that's been coming up, which is a lot of them are doers and you know, they've driven themselves super, super hard. They got burned out. And then when we kind of explore that a little, what's come up is that a lot of them grew up with nothing. And so at some point in their childhood, they made a decision, whether it was conscious or not, that they were going to change their circumstances, that they were not going to raise a family the way that they were raised, that they were going to create wealth and be successful. And that's why they're so driven. The problem is that you never actually know when to stop, like when it's enough, when to feel good about what you've attained, because you're so used to just being on that treadmill that you forget why you're on it. Can you speak to that? So here's what's fascinating. What's on the other side of achiever? So I kind of reference the post-conventional stages. Now, here's what's fascinating. On the other side of the achiever is what's called self-questioning. The self-questioning stage is when you actually do a lot of these thoughts of, why am I so driven in the first place? Why do I even care about this? Who wanted this house? Why do I even want this job? Is this something I want? Is this So you actually go through this phase where you question everything. You question do I love this person? Do I not love this person? Do I want to, you know, have a beard, be bald? Do I want long hair? Like literally every single thing becomes in question because if you actually achieve enough goals, the belief in the achiever stage is once I achieve this, I will feel complete, whole, successful, great, all these things I thought I would. And then what always, well, not always, but typically always what happens is when you get to the level of achieving them, you realize 
where's that Shangri-La feeling? So then you go into self-questioning stage and, and self-questioning is where you question, why do I even care about this? Why is this even important? And for some people, this may sound like a midlife crisis or it might sound like a you know loss of self, but in reality, you're questioning yourself to get to the next stage, yes. which is self-actualization, where you actually who you are because you say you are. And that's not even the end of the ego development journey, but it's a fantastic one if you can get there. I love that. So, so far, I would say the two things that really stuck out to me that you've said so far today are that when you're young, you should definitely push yourself and that burnout can be this thing that happens where you continue to grow, but maybe you've shifted from vertical to horizontal or vice versa. So I love that idea of burnout being a sense of growth. And maybe there's a shift that happens. You're growing in a different way than you were before. And the second thing is this idea of questioning everything. And and this is what I see with clients who finish working with me and they're like on the other side of burnout. And then they're like, where do I go from here? Because like, now I feel better. I feel like I'm engaging in life. But what they realize is they've spent so much of their time, energy, everything at work for so many years that they're like, I don't even know who I am outside of work. And what you're talking about with the idea of self-actualization is exactly where they want to go next, right? So I think there is this very cool thing that happens where we're so in it that we sometimes think like we can't get out or that if we can slow down, then what are we going to do with all this extra time? I don't even know because I'm so used to just doing this one way. And then when we burn out, it gives us that opportunity to shift. And when we shift, it gives us that whole new identity that we get to develop outside of work. Yeah, I think in a very strange turn of words that I'm going to say here is sometimes when you're hitting burnout and you actually get the right support and the right help through that burnout, literally coming out of that is that next version of yourself. One of the things that I love about this ego development journey and adult development theory is the research shows that these stages are sequential and predictable. So what that means is let's say I'm in the group centric stage and I burn out. Well, now it might be, well, you know what, who I've been as a group centric person needs to evolve into the skill centric stage. I've been doing everything everyone wants me to do. I've been following their rules. I've been doing everything like I'm supposed to, and I'm still not getting what I want. I burn out and I go, you know what? I got to develop that skill. Like what brings me joy? What's the thing I want to become best in the world at? Then you can do all that. Then you can burn out there. And then you go, well, you know what? Maybe I'm making it too much about me. Maybe I have to make it about, you know, others and, and helping others achieve and like achieving bigger goals. And then you achieve, achieve, achieve. Then you burn out there and you go, what am I doing this all for? What's the whole point? Like, what's the point of having a million dollars if my spouse doesn't like me? What's the point of having a million dollars if I didn't get to take my kids to the park? And why am I doing all this? This is ridiculous. So you burn out and you self-question. And then after you self-question, you get to self-actualization. Here's what I care about. Here's who I am. This is what's important to me. You know, so each time burnout shows up with the right support and the right guided way to get through it, on the other side of it probably is one of your biggest blessings. So for anyone listening to this going through burnout, the other side of it has the potential to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. And if you hold on to that, it's not as emotionally devastating because you know, on the other side of this, I am going to be so much better. Often it doesn't happen alone. Like some people are lucky and they get there, but typically we need the right bump at the right time from the right person with the wisdom to help us get there. 
Love that. So I'm sure that there are people listening to this that are like, I want to learn more, especially about the post stages that we didn't really go deep on. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I'm fascinated. So first of all, what's a good resource to learn more about adult development theory? Yeah, so the best one that I can recommend is the person that I studied with, Dr. Suzanne Cook-Greuter, has written this incredible research paper. It's a white paper. It's readily available on the internet called Nine Levels of Increasing Embrace and Ego Development, Post-Autonomous Ego Development. It's a very academic piece of work. It's phenomenal. It explains all of the stages and all the post-conventional stages. So Dr. Suzanne Kukur does incredible work. There's a woman named Bina Sharma. She has an incredible group called the Vertical Development Academy, which is all about diving into the post-conventional world. It's all about diving into this post-conventional work and how do we grow and evolve our consciousness and our sense of self. So those are two of, you know, the OGs, the, the really, really intelligent people. And I have a research a website called Adult Development Theory dot com, which has like a lot of great information on it as well. But those two people are like, you know, those are the Michael Jordan, Magic Johnsons of the game, you know? Yeah, I hear you. So we will link to all of that in the show notes. And Aurelia, you are so much more than just adult development. So for people who want more of you, I know you do the speaking and you've got Talk It Out, which if you're a speaker, you definitely have to check that out because Aurel is amazing and he's very unique, one and only. So where do people go for everything else other than adult development theory? Yeah. So, you know, you might see my name. It's Aurel Moody. The wonderfulness and the horrificness of my name is that one, you know, so many people say it wrong, but of course, Sharon said it correctly because she's the best. But I'm also the only Aurel Moody in the whole world. So if you jump on LinkedIn, if you jump on Instagram, if you jump on Facebook, X, Twitter, whatever it's called nowadays, you can find me there. And I like to do introspective posts. I like to talk about this work. Sometimes I just post fun stuff with my kids. So bear with those posts. But that's the best place to get more information. I would recommend personally LinkedIn. That's where I probably spend most of my time nowadays. It's like a social media network that has all the beautiful things of social media without all the negative things. Yes. So I like to play in the LinkedIn space right now. That's where I'm at. <laughs> awesome. So we will definitely share your LinkedIn profile as well. And if you are an event organizer and you're fascinated by everything you've just heard, look up Aurel Moody, the one and only, because there's no other on the whole planet who has that name and who is as good and bring him onto your stage because you wow audiences every time. So I think that is well, something. The, the question is, did you think I sucked when you were a college student and you heard me super? You're like, why did they bring this schmo? This guy sticks. Listen, if you're a schmo that I can remember 20 some years after I've seen you, I think you did pretty good. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. We got cosign by Sharon right here. You heard it first, the cosign of Sharon Gross. I want to put that all over my website now. There you go. So thank you, Aurel, for coming on and sharing about this new topic that we haven't delved into before. I think that's really a value add to our listeners. And I hope you guys listening got something out of it. For all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you are a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review. 
telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you're ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I will see you right back here next week. Bye, everybody.